Welcome back to another episode of Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Megan Reynolds. And I am your other co-host, Madeline Davies. Yay! Um, today, we are going to be talking a little later to E! News anchor Ken Baker, the author of the book, The Ken Commandments, My Search for God in Hollywood. Because sometimes in life, just knowing what you don't believe can be really helpful in figuring out what you do believe. It is a riveting read. He was an excellent interview. I thought he was very fun. Yes. He um, knows what he's doing. He's he does. A, he's an entertainment man. He's an entertainment man. But that's a little later on. Um, yeah. Hold your horses, listeners. <laughs> Hang on. It's, it's going to be a good one. Don't you press that fast forward button. <laughs> why Why would you skip this? Right. This cute yeah. banter. This, adult, <laughs> this really cute and witty banter. How are you doing, Megan? I am doing well. I'm tired because I was redecorating my bedroom. Yes, you got a new dresser. I did, and a mirror. Threw away a bunch of stuff. Felt good. I have too much makeup. I realized that. Threw away a bunch of brassieres. That always (laughs) feels weird, right? Because like bras are so expensive. I know, but like they they're they're all like seven dollar bras from Target. Yeah, that like don't fit. Like my they just make things look jumbled in a way that I don't enjoy. Get rid of them. I did. I shoved them all into a bunch of plastic bags and left them out for the trash man. Lovely. Who's probably wearing them as we speak. I see. (laughs) You're just paying it forward. I was giving back. I was giving back. Um, How are you? I feel like you have like a very like popping Fenty lip on right now. I did. I put it on before you got here (laughs) because I couldn't find my chapstick. So I just use this instead. Well, it looks great. Why, thank you. You're you're um wearing an outfit that I almost wore today. Oh, really? I usually wear a striped shirt and jeans. It's like that's like my uniform. I mean, it's it's been a classic since the sailing times. The sailing times. Yes. But I thought of, I almost wore like the exact same thing today. Well, you should have. Mm, I should have. Adorable. We should probably dress alike for all further recordings. We'll right. just coordinate prior that to. That sounds great. Great. Perfect. We'll be like Andrew Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> People will obviously think that we're twins. Yeah. Or lovers. You're so like, twins what's their, I don't know. They're like, what's this, their thing? This dynamic feels interesting. I am also doing a lot of reorganizing because mm-hmm. I am moving. <gasps> Which I feel like you always think that moving is going to be easier than it is. Mm-mm. Like you just underestimate the amount of stuff you have. I say you, I mean me. And me and anyone, I would say. Most people. Like it's just insane like how many books I own. Oh. I don't mean that even as like, oh, I'm a part of the literati, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> I just, but it's, you are. yeah, but I am. <laughs> but it's just like, it's insane how much shit I have. And now I'm like getting down to the wire yeah. and feeling just immense anxiety and panic. Like, why am I moving even? This is so stupid. Are you going to get rid of some books? I think about it every now and then that I don't do it. Yeah, I got rid of a chunk. But okay. there's still, uh, I got I got like two big Rubbermaids. Oh, shit. And they're both full of books. So. Oh, my God. Every single book in my apartment, I think, that is out belongs to me. And they're just, they're everywhere. Yeah. This is, again, not like a brag. Yeah. About how. I mean, we do read. I mean, I read all the time. But that's how this is yeah, about. There's can't just too get much enough. shit. Love books. Can't get an the book cast. <laughs> we are pivoting. That's just called an, an audio book, I think. <laughs> it's just us talking about our book collections. Yeah. It's really scintillating, intellectual, and not at all verbally masturbatory <laughs> in, the, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Should 
Should we talk about some celebrities? Yeah. I say it's time we get into the dirtiest dirt the of the week. dirtiest fucking dirt. There's a lot of pretty grubby dirt yeah, and it all, this week. I'm sorry, most of it, I'm sorry to say, revolves around the Kardashian clan, mm. which I know people don't like. Yeah. And I, I get that. Yeah. I also feel a little exhausted by them, but you know what? We're here to bring you the news. We are. And this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Um, On Friday, TMZ reported, like, at, like Friday at, like, 5 p.m., which yeah. is a rude time. A real to- news dump, you know? Yeah. It was a real Friday news dump, but not of the kind that usually is, like, stressful as it was, like, during the election. Right. Just, like, a news dump that caused, I believe, audible gasps in the Jezebel office. Yeah. Kylie Jenner. The youngest of all of Chris Jenner's children. She's 20. She just turned 20. She is pregnant with rapper Travis Scott's baby. Multiple sources have told us that just a few weeks ago at the Day and Night Festival in Anaheim, Travis was letting friends know about how excited he was to welcome a new kid into the world. We're told he's also been telling friends that he's having a girl, although we haven't been able to confirm that aspect yet. Kylie joins. You can't hear us both. Just like sadly frowning. Weird faces at each other. It's, you know what? Like if Mazel Tov. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first, yes, great. It just kind of adds to like the tragic narrative that is Kylie, right? Where it's just like grown up too soon. Although I guess there's lots of moms who start in their early 20s and in their teens who are great moms and who love doing it. But it also just feels like, oh, she like missed. Half of her childhood. It was all, half her childhood was televised. And now she's like jumping into this very major point of adulthood. Right. So she has a show on E! called Life of Kylie or Life with Kylie. It's one of those. And apparently on that show, I watched the first episode and was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> Can't do this. Gotta go. Um, but apparently at the show is continued, even though I think it's doing fairly poorly in ratings because it's a very strange television program. But apparently the the whole thing with the show is that Kylie is like really struggling to find what like normal means for her. I don't know what it's like to live a normal life. (laughs) Where people just don't know who you are. To get out the car and not have everyone stare at you. And one of the things that she says is, um, I really, she like expresses a great desire to have a family and to like have kids. Well, that's good. Which people are like using to like make this seem not as like, it's a little, it's not sad. I don't know what it is. Right. Is it sad? It leaves me feeling very ambivalent in a lot of, I don't know. It's kind of like gray. Gray, but like tinged with like a brown. Ooh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, hmm. It Um, is gonna like, this is fairly mean but it oh. is something i think about whenever anyone who's had major face work has a kid or body is, work it's going to be very weird when their kid has their old features oh and yeah. it's just like kind of like what message are you sending your kid about how they look now if you changed your mm-hmm. face so drastically it's true or like are you going to find your i mean of course like most people find their children beautiful yes but it must be very weird to be like oh like this is going to be like a thin-lipped little baby, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, maybe not. I mean, it could be not. That part of, like, plastic surgery is always really interesting to me. Yeah. And, like, not not interesting in a fun way. I always wonder about, like, if you have had a lot of plastic surgery on your bod, specifically your bottom, your boobs, 
thing, some waste situation. Where does it, what happens? Because the body does, I mean, your body goes, expands in many strange and not entirely pleasant from what I understand ways when you are pregnant. What happens to all of the things that are in there that weren't there to begin with? Well, I mean, I think at least to speculate in Kylie's case, I think most of what she's had done are fat transfers. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it just like. So that could just like spread or get reabsorbed. Okay. I mean, like, I think, I mean this from like an observation standpoint, not in a way that a a judgmental look standpoint. But like you saw like with like when Kim's pregnant, like Mm -hmm. she like. There are certain women who are, like, very lucky and they have, like, little basketball pregnancies. Yeah, who are, like, don't look pregnant from behind. Yeah. And yeah. then there are other women who, like, their whole body gets just, pregnant. Just, like, everything is pregnant. Yeah. And, like, I am sure that I will be the latter just because my mom, like, when she <laughs> had me, like, I don't know. We have a really soft cartilage in our family. Oh. So it's, like, I feel like my nose will just melt off oh, no. my face. Um, <laughs> so, again, there's just, like, it's just sort of luck of the draw or right. luck of genetics. But like right. you kind of can see it in her sisters when they've gotten pregnant to sort of like where they've... Where things go. Yeah, where things have been stored and... True. You know. I mean, and I guess a lot of people with implants have babies. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I think it's... I'm just... I was talking to someone about the Ky- about Kylie's pregnancy. I've been talking about it with everyone all weekend, honestly. <laughs> like texting friends who don't even care, who are like, who? But someone I was talking to was saying that because Kylie is like an aspirational figure to a lot yeah. of people, especially younger women, that this could cause like a spate of like young, super young yeah. pregnancies. Undo all of the uh, work that teen mom yeah. has laid down. Yeah. The essential groundwork that teen mom has yeah. done. I mean, I wonder how much of that too is just like a part of like moral panic or like adult panic where it's yeah. like teen pregnancy, I think, is at its like lowest rate yeah. in history. Or 100%. Crazy. I mean, like going back to the plastic surgery thing, I guess that's the example that Chris has set for her where, mm. so I suppose it's actually not that, not not that, that weird. unique. Mm, yeah. I mean, and even like Caitlin, even before she transitioned, was mm. doing a lot of face shit. That so. is true. I mean, maybe out in Calabasas, it's just like normal for your parents to have completely different noses than you. And, you know, I mean, I feel like it probably is. And then yeah. you get a little older and then you're like eight and you're like, okay. Yeah. I get it. I want my nose to look like that nose. And yeah. then you get it done for your 16th birthday. Right. Because <laughs> they're not going to do a rhinoplasty on an eight year old. No, they might pin your ears though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess the timing of this announcement is. Interesting because um, Keeping Up with the Kardashians just aired its 10th anniversary special. Coincidental? Co- oh, no. Hmm. Um, Kylie's reportedly due in February. I read something recently that said Kim, t- it took her a minute to sort of warm up to the idea. Which I, I, I of Kylie that. being pregnant. If me my, too. my like, much younger sister uh-huh. was pregnant, I would be like, whoop. Yeah, you you want to talk about this? And then you're like, all right, you're going to do this? Great. Now I'm behind you. Yeah, but there would be like a little like a pumping the brakes, a personal pump of the brakes for myself. Or just be like, honey, there are options. Yeah, listen. Oh, this is one you're picking? Oh, oh, you want to do this? Okay, great. Got to go. Sounds good. I'm going to call mom now. Got to hang it up. (laughs) Got to talk to you later. Um, And another, also another person who orbits the Kardashians in a way that I find repulsive, not Jonathan Chibin. Although he's disgusting. Yeah, he, I mean, it could be. It always could be John. Yeah. <laughs> my, one of my sisters calls him Lady Chibin. 
<laughs> which I really like. Uh, the food god. The food god. Um, Scott Disick, who is Courtney's on again, off again, now off. Up for a while now, Off right? for like two to three years, I think. Yeah. Father of her children. Father of her children is apparently dating Sophia Ritchie, who is 19. Yeah. Lionel Ritchie's daughter. Yeah. Nicole Ritchie's sister. Yep. Scott is 30 blank. 32 to 35 is my guess. Yeah. So that sounds right. I mean, I would say like 35. Okay. He's 34. 34 we're being told. I am surprised. I mean, that's what like alcoholism and... Coke blow will do to you. He looks, um, yeah. Mm. They're dating a troubled fellow. A troubled fellow. Well, and wasn't he just dating Bella Thorne? He was like, or they were just like, they were like up. photographed, like making out, like in a very disgusting sort of tongue forward fashion Ugh. somewhere in a pool. Was it in Cannes? Yeah, it was. It was a, at the why film? either of them were at the Cannes film festival is very <laughs> weird, but yes. <laughs> I think they were both just like on a yacht, and I'm sure someone paid the paparazzi to like, Sure, Scott was like, guys, be making out with Bella yeah, Thorne. We're gonna French. Yeah, in we're gonna France. Yeah, you're gonna see all of my tongue and the dangly bit in the back of my throat. Gross. The Megan. Sorry. It was so <laughs> foul. Those pictures were really upsetting. They were. You're right. And you're I'm, just painting a picture I'm with your words. Just, I'm just telling you what you and I both saw, and it was horrible. Who was Sophia Ritchie dating right before? Maybe she was dating Bieber for she a second. She was doing something with Bieber. That I is, think yes. That's my that was like my gut instinct. Isn't it crazy how like Hollywood is so small? Mm-hmm. Where it's like Kim Kardashian was Paris Hilton's closet organizer. Right. <laughs> Paris Hilton was best friends with Nicole Richie. Right. Nicole Richie's sister is Sophia. Mm-hmm. Sophia is dating Scott, who used to date Courtney and just like shit like that happens in like a high school, right? Like a small town. And I guess it's just like it's weird. It is very weird to think of that dynamic in Hollywood, I think, that it's just like everyone is just like, mm, yeah. you. No, not you anymore. You. Right. You like, I had two years ago, but now we'll do you again. This is fine. How like, are you linked to the OJ trial? Right. Oh, one degree, two degree. <laughs> like you have like, to be like just like two degrees from yeah. <laughs> the OJ trial and you are part of that yeah. circle. There's like a chart that they all have and they're like, okay. Okay, nope, yep, yep, this is good. And then, like, it happens. Yeah. It's fucked up. I think Sophia Ritchie needs to disentangle herself from Lord Dizick immediately. Wait. What? If she dated Bieber, Bieber dated Courtney. Whoa! Ew! This is cr- that That's family is disgusting. so insane. That's actually disgusting. That family is so insane. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, almost, yeah. like, renaissance. Like, it's almost like a weird, mm-hmm. you know... King map. Some sort of like dynastic situation. Yes. Weird. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the fact that Courtney and Bieber even like, I can't, I don't know. Just when I think of, I just, something about those like oversized aviators that he seems to favor these days. And then that like hint of stash. Yeah. He's never going to grow the whole thing. He can't. He can't. (laughs) (laughs) Think of how fucking weird he would look with a beard. Just picture, just try to picture Justin Bieber with a beard. I can only think of like... Difficult. And like, I feel like he would just look like an extra on Breaking Bad. Like he would be like (laughs) Jesse Pinkman's friend. Oh, 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 yeah. Like friend number one. Yeah, he just like... He's wearing like a backwards visor (laughs) upside down. And like bad pants. Yeah, that's like all I can... Oh, but that. 
Oh. Might be the role of a lifetime for I young Biebs. So. I think so. He um, wants to break into acting on a show that is not on the air anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I went off the air like years ago. Um, well, I do not say congratulations to the happy couple, Scott Disick and Sophia Ritchie, because I I hate it. You know what, Sophia? Get that IUD, girl. Yeah, fuck, Sophia, if you're listening. <laughs> Take care. Oh, God. Yeah. Please use protection. Please, my God. Everyone. And like, also, like, parent with a condom. I mean, God knows where that um, where, <clears> where has s- been. Scott's disc dick. Our next bit of news kind of has to do with Lionel Richie. Oh, God, you're right. American Idol really struggling to find judges for its ABC reboot. Can't imagine why. Right. Why the fuck would you reboot this goddamn television program? It was it was like dying when you took it off the air. It was like dead and had been like reanimated and killed again. (laughs) A shell of its former self. Which is, I mean, like, remember what a big deal American Idol was when oh, it first yeah. premiered? Oh, yeah. I loved American Idol Just like, when it started. And, like, like Paula Abdul was all fucked up mm-hmm. all the time. And I loved it. Those were the days. Those were the days. I mean, I'm, I am I think Paula's doing better, and I'm glad for that. Mm, yep. Yeah. I've heard she's the nicest. She seems kind. I had an Uber driver when I was in Portland a couple weeks ago who told us his famous pickup was Paula Abdul. Wow. She was very, very sweet to him. Oh, that's nice. Yes. And I then like he, that. Then he had some very weird... Uh, other stuff to Other say? Other stuff to say. Sure, <laughs> sure, definitely. So who are the two the two judges now as of today are Katy Perry. Katy Perry. For a cool 25 mil, I believe. Yeah. Which is insane. I mean, I guess like, all right, fine. Like, sure. I would do it too. No, I, if someone's going to be, yeah. I mean, yes. you could give me $200 and I'd be yeah. like, I'm here. I'd be like, all right, cool. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to, you know. Um, and then it's Luke Bryan. Who's a country a country star? A country star, and then they're struggling to find a judge that is not white. Yeah, well, it sounds like the production company wants Charlie Puth. Puth? <laughs> I think it's Puth. It's spelled P-U-T-H. Yeah, Puth. Puth. <laughs> Charlie Puth. Um, um, he's a he's a singing man. He's a guitar man. Is that what he is? Yeah, he's like big in like the VMA crowd. Okay. But ABC is like, hey, like, we should probably have some diversity. Which, yeah. like, good on them. Mm-hmm, I agree. Here's my tr- American Idol trutherism. Ooh. So, Lionel Richie turned down the job yes. because he wanted $10 million and they wanted to give him 5 Just, like, ridiculous. But, yes. Katy Perry is getting $25 million. Which is insane. I mean, and I get, like, she's kind of the most currently relevant of yeah. all the judges. Yeah, I get yeah. it. She's, like, the main attraction for some. Some. There is no way Charlie... Puth was going to do it for five million. No, Puth is not going to do There's it. There's no for way. Five. So it's like, what were they going to offer him that they weren't going to offer Lionel Richie? Oh, just something to think about. That is some food for thought. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If you are not white, you sh- and you want a television job, you should apply for the American <laughs> Idol open <laughs> judging position. <laughs> it sounds like they can offer you somewhere between five million and two question mark. Two question mark. So if that works for you, 
Send your emails to <laughs> Dirtcast. Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell. Ca- AOL. AOL. <laughs> Simon Cowell is awesome. And the O and awesome is a zero <laughs> at AOL.com. And uh, he'll get right back to you. Yeah. He loves emails. He loves emails. Loves emails. <laughs> I don't think this American Idol reboot is going to be good. Yeah. That's well, all. apparently everybody watches The Voice now, which is, has like arguably like a bigger star lineup it does i mean i used to like i like the voice when it first started because i was like oh this is i like the whole concept got me like they're in the chairs the chairs turn around and like that's fun and that whole like i was i was in yeah sure i mean i like a i like a competition i love a competition i don't know what my secret favorite singing competition oh was <laughs> no one watched it what was it it was on oxygen okay oh it was called the glee project <gasps> i watched the glee project <laughs> <laughs> auditioned for a shot at a guest starring role on Glee. And I was there for all the excitement. Must have song on your iPod. Anything from Glee. I love it so much. I'm just like them. <laughs> no. uh, I loved it. Oh my God. So it was much. so good. No one, no one watched. You're the only other person I know that has watched it. I think I wa- I yeah. It's basically like it was like <laughs> Ryan Murphy trying to cast like roles on Glee. Yeah. So it was all people between the ages of what, like 17 and 24. Yeah. And they were all like theater kids. And they were all so earnest. Oof, God. I'm an amazing flirt. My talent is the way I flip my hair. My strength, besides my looks, is singing. Out loud. And also, like, it's been one a of while, his co-judges so. was, like, his choreographer, who I just loved so much. Oh, my God. So oh, much. my God. That's right. He was such a sweetheart. Yes. Did that come on, like, over a summer? I think probably. So there probably. was two seasons of okay. it, I think. I think I only watched the first season. Yeah. And then when it got canceled, I think I wrote about it. And there was maybe <laughs> three comments, like, oh. Like, oh, someone watched this? <laughs> I don't know. but I watched it, yeah. One winner, Blake Jenner. Yes. He um <laughs> he was like one of the stars of The Edge of Seventeen. Oh my god. Um look at that. Yeah, and he married one of his glee co-stars. Really? And are now divorced. <laughs> <laughs> real up and real real roller, yeah. roller roller cycles, what I was going to say. Roller cycles A for roller sure. coaster. Um of- but <laughs> That to me is like the only good singing competition show. <laughs> I love it, it so was much. Really, so I I watched it like in secret shame when it was on. So Ryan Murphy, Glee might be gone. Yeah. But you could still bring the Glee project. <laughs> Please <back>. bring the <laughs> Glee project. <laughs> it was so much better than actual Glee. It was. It was. Because Glee got really awful near the end. I stopped. I forget when I tapped out on that show, but there was a point when I was like, I can't look at Leah Michelle's face anymore. Yeah. I feel like it um, had that thing where it was like good for like half a season and then yeah. got just like one off the rails. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then would have like a really like cool. Good. Like I'm not saying that I own the acapella album, <laughs> oh. but I might. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, ooh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'm just making a face. I don't know what to do with my face. When I right say now, own, I mean listen to on the way here. I, heard, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just sometimes it's okay. You know, we all have our things. That little Darren Chris just oh, I know singing his teenage dream. I know. I know. But Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> one of the best arcs was there was one kid on it who was really really Christian. Uh huh. He also dated Demi Lovato. What? Like he was in ninth grade and she was in sixth. 
Ew. Yeah. And that was like a bragging point. And I was what? like, that's disgusting. She was in sixth grade? Yes. How old are you? That's too. I, he was like, he's like, all oh, my friends made fun of me because yeah, she was in sixth grade. I'm like, yes, because you were like a high school freshman. Disgusting. You were dating someone who just started middle school. Like, I yeah. know these differences don't matter now. No, like that's something like, that like in your 20s does not matter. Yeah. I mean, dating someone in middle school does. But no, don't that, do that. Don't do yeah. that. Don't do that. <laughs> that like three-year difference. It's like negligible now. Yes. When you are 14, that is, ew, that's yeah. disgusting. It was so gross, but also he was like really into his girlfriend back home. And then uh, <sighs> a girl during one of the competitions, because she wanted to win so bad, mm planted a kiss on him <laughs> and he like called his girlfriend sobbing and yes. was just like babe i'm so sorry oh i'm like you want to be an actor bitch but like get it together yeah i don't know nut up i feel like if is it still available to watch somewhere i doubt it i'm going to look and i will report back next week yeah we'll I... do a special on the glee project oh that <laughs> That everyone the will other love. fan can listen to and really like. <laughs> um, so that is that concludes the <laughs> a um, the American Idol judge drama. Um, it's going to be a bad show. No one wants to fucking judge it. Katy Perry wants to get her twenty five million, um, and they need to find someone that is not white. The final and more disgusting piece, actually it's not the most disgusting, it's just like everything is bad, so what the fuck? I mean, the other stuff is like shallowly disgusting, yeah. whereas this is actually like, like darker. Yeah, from a societal standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, Megan Kelly, who was previously on Fox News, has now joined the Today Show. She gets her own hour, I believe at the nine the nine a.m. So she her show debuted on Monday. And she has said that she is kind of done with politics for now. The truth is, I am kind of done with politics for now. Right? I know. You know why, right? We all feel it. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's gotten so dark and I'm just like, over. Fuck you, asshole. Yeah. That's like, all I have to say. Yeah. She like started, <clears throat> it was like in her opening monologue. She was yeah. basically like, well, and the president tweeted, just kidding. I'm not talking about that anymore. And it's just like, eat shit. Sorry, yeah. I really hate Megyn no, Kelly. She's the wor- no, she's, it's fine. She's the worst. Um, here's a quote from an interview that she did with L.com that was released on the same day that her goddamn show, her like nightmare of a television program premiered. I can unleash my legal cross-examination skills on any blowhard politician whenever I want. It's not like I've lost that magic. I am not one-dimensional. I can do many things. What I'm trying to do is find more joy for myself personally and for my viewers, as opposed to just deconstructing political arguments that we all know are bullshit, which is useful, but not that fun. I have a very hard time believing that Megyn Kelly can be fun. So I don't know what the fuck she's talking about here yeah, she had the cast of Will and Grace on and oh, I think Jesus. was trying to like dance in like an Ellenish way oh. and it was just a nightmare. I mean, I am sure like De- I'm sure like Deborah Messing was like dying on the inside. Well, I feel like Megan Mullally must have mm-hmm. just like wanted to punch her. She's bad. 
Yeah. I don't know. She's kind of the epitome of like what, like white corporate feminism hath wrought, where it's like she's very like pro civil rights when it suits her and really dismissive of it when it doesn't. Yeah. And just like, you know, I'm fiscally conservative, but like I can have a gay best friend. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, shut up, Megan Kelly. Eat my butt, Megan Kelly. Eat my butt, Megan Kelly. Um, (laughs) 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 One thing. Remember when she got mad about Black Santa? Just to have a white Santa <laughs> you know? And by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. But this person is just arguing that that maybe we should we should also have a black Santa. But, you know, Santa is what he is. And just so you know, we're just debating this because someone wrote about it, kids. I feel like okay, that's I that all straight. I ever need, should need to say about yeah. um, Megyn Kelly is yeah. like she got so mad at the idea of black Santa yeah. and kept saying Santa isn't black. Yeah. And it's just like, well... Santa's whenever you want it to be. Santa is not real. Let's start (laughs) there. Um, Start breaking. Just breaking. Santa's fake. Um, Um. (laughs) She did after Donald Trump said that thing about the blood coming out of her whereas. She gets out and she starts asking me all sorts of ridiculous questions. And, you know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes. Uh, blood coming out of her, wherever. That but, uh, is when people was, were sort of like, oh my God, Megyn Kelly, like Donald Trump will turn against like his own, like Megyn Kelly, me, 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 me. Yeah, and look at how she stood up to him and both. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because it was in her self-interest. Yeah, duh. Like, the fuck do you expect? And then now she has somehow parlayed that moment of like, me, and into this fucking nightmare of a television program, which I can't imagine it's doing well. I mean, it's only day two. Sure, sure. Fair. Um, Jumping the gun. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, one thing I will, one thing I noticed, I watched yesterday. Okay. And this doesn't matter if you're a news anchor or a correspondent. Mm-hmm. It does matter if you're a talk show host. Mm-hmm. She's not very warm. That is tricky. And yeah. I don't say that as like a woman thing. Like, but it's just like Al Roker is warm. Mm-hmm. You know, like these correspondents, they're they have like a warmth that like makes yeah. you like want to drink you your talk coffee to with them. them. Yeah. And you want to like listen to them. Megan Kelly does not have that. Yeah. She does not, she looks like an alien like trying to pass. Oh, you know, like it's yeah. very like, you know, she's like she doesn't like exude anything that like suggests fun. And the lead up to Megan Kelly's show, they'd been doing a lot like doing the most, some might say, to really hammer at home the fact that like Megyn Kelly is fun. She's likable. You're going to watch her on TV and you're going to fucking love it. It's hard to do that when you're working with someone who has like the warmth and the personality of like a shitty Ikea folding chair, (laughs) which is like what she is. I see in Scandinavian. (laughs) So I'm very excited to say our guest today is E! News anchor Ken Baker, whose new book, The Ken Commandments, My Search for God in Hollywood, is all about Ken's search for God in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> it says it all, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm wondering like, what you would do if your name was like 
Joseph or, you know, something where it's something not quite as punny. Maybe it would be a different topic altogether. It'd be like Joe's hose or something. Oh, yeah. Just be completely, yeah. (laughs) Probably sell more copies with that. Yeah. (laughs) I I love the the pivot to Joe's hose is nice. (laughs) It's unexpected, but, you know, that's fun too. (laughs) It could also just be like about gardening or something. Mm. So, yeah. Ten Commandments, my search for God in Hollywood. Do you want to maybe talk us through, um, what your thought process was for writing this book, like why you felt so moved to do so? Honestly, I just was at a point in my life and career where, you know, you get to that point. I'd been doing this celebrity journalism thing for about 20 years, Mm -hmm. first at uh, People Magazine, Us Weekly. I'd been at E! for almost um, 10 years. And, you know, my my life on paper looked really good. Um, But I think, like, what ended up happening for me was I just, I was always, when I was younger, I was very much spiritually uh, aware. Like, I would pray. I went to Catholic church. I had this like grounding and some sort of spirituality Mm -hmm. and I just lost touch with it. And I'd moved out here in my mid twenties and I was working in the magazine world and, you know, really enjoyed doing what I was doing. And, and I don't know, you just sort of end up getting wrapped up in the material things of life. I think we all do this to some degree. And I got to a point where I just felt as though I was feeling lost like, like I wasn't really attached to any higher meaning or purpose. And I just was sort of living and it wasn't enough for me. I mean, maybe that's fine with people, but I, I just felt like I wasn't any closer to answering all the deepest spiritual questions about what is my purpose? What happens when I die? Like, what is my relationship with God? What do I believe? What do I not believe? I felt I was actually further at, at that point, I was like 45 I was further from answering those questions than I was 20 years before when I'd first gotten to Hollywood. So I really decided that I wanted to do something to commemorate 20 years of being in Hollywood. And I didn't want it to be, I'm going to quit. I wanted it to be, (laughs) I can stay here and find meaning and purpose, but I'm going to have to go out and seek it. And that's really what stimulated it. So I really dedicated a year to doing it and it's turned into a complete lifestyle at this point. What is it do you think that puts... Hollywood and spirituality at odds? I think that it can be at odds, and it often is. And the stereotypes are based in truth. That's why they exist, which is the narcissistic, uh, self-involved, material, self-obsessed kind of archetype of what a celebrity is, of what entertainment is about, the superficiality, the shallowness, all those things that are definitely here. I'm going to, you know, this is breaking news report, guys. It exists. Oh my God. Um, I I feel as though Hollywood is obsessed with uh, the celebration of the individual and that carnal aspect of life. And, but there's, that's the dark side of it. But the light side is there's so much depth of character beneath the vast majority of people who are the creative, you know, people here. And it's the, the, the artists have this sort of duality, mm-hmm. right? Cause on one hand they have to be the ultimate narcissist. Pay attention to me. Look at me, please, please buy my album. Look at me right now. And it's only gotten more intense with social media, obviously. But on the other hand, there's this, uh, dynamic where people are really in touch with themselves and are exploring the deepest parts of themselves 
And I mean, a great example of that is Kanye West. Right. I mean, who represents the, the the most divergent qualities of that? On one hand, he's Jesus to him, you know, he's Jesus. But on the other hand, you know, this is a guy who's very self-aware, like to, you know, very much introspective and reflective. And he's he he is seeking and he he wants to have deeper depth and purpose, but you can see the conflict that he has and he lives with. And it comes out in his work in such a raw way. And this happens to so many artists. So to answer your question, I think like that's obviously what the conflict is. And being someone who was in Hollywood, is is still in Hollywood, covering celebrity, being around it, becoming somewhat of a pseudo-celebrity myself because I'm on TV talking about celebrities. Right. So you can, you're kind of like this satellite character in this drama that's playing out. Like I would say... It's kind of like being Scott Disick on the Kardashians. <laughs> it's like you're on the show, but you're never, yeah, but you're not like on the right, billboards. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like I imagine a lot of people um, like coming up to you being like, we went to high school together. Or just people like <laughs> thinking like, we know each other, right? And then you have to eventually be like, I'm on Yeah, me. yeah. They have no idea who I am. Yeah, no idea who I am. They're like, do you do you work oh, at gosh. Friendly's? I'm like, no, actually I work at oh. E-News. Oh yeah, you look familiar. Okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but nevertheless, I mean, you learn a lot being around that world. And, and I think that, you know, we all can get, I mean, almost every religious tradition in some way deals with the issues of temptation, mm-hmm. right? So you become famous, you become rich, you're, I don't know, maybe you're beautiful, and you get sucked in, right? right mm-hmm. To all the physical of the moment aspects, the material of like just pleasure and hedonism. And really, Hollywood you know, it's, it's hedonism's Broadway, right? I mean, it's sure. like, this is where everything, these are where all the productions are. You know? right. <laughs> um, and it's the ultimate, I mean, really, I was talking about this to someone. I was uh, walking through the E! Newsroom and we were shooting our daily show um, called The Daily Pop. And, um, and uh, there were some guests there. Hey, who was it? It was like Kelsey Ballerini, the, the country star. Oh, yes. And I just was like, I said to one of the producers, I go, isn't show business such a strange business? And he's like, what are you talking about? I go, well, I don't know. When you step back and you look at it, there's like a bunch of people sitting in their homes or they're at work and they're watching E! And why are they doing that? Like, what Why? What are they looking for? And I was like, I guess they're looking to escape their lives, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think because in a way. It's... They're living a life. So I want to escape it. And what is going to the movies? What is watching Netflix? I mean, it's it's escape, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, Hollywood, and uh, ultimately when it's almost like its own religion, the escapism of transcending reality and losing yourself in characters and stories and dramas and comedy, whatever it may be. But at the same time, you know, spiritual pursuits are an escapist form as well. And it's yeah. escaping your physical self to connect with your soul. So you know, those two forces can be really at in conflict with each other. So not to get too deep, deep in meta, but no, that's kind of the stuff in. that I think about as someone who's in the industry and wants meaning. Your book kind of opens with a very tense moment. Uh, Lamar Odom has just overdosed. Khloe Kardashian's ex-husband is on life support today with organ failure. 
Kris Jenner, matriarch of the Kardashian family, looks distraught outside the hospital where her former son-in-law, basketball star Lamar Odom, is in a comatose state. People don't know if he is going to live or not. Mm -hmm. You have drove, so you, in the middle of the night, streaked across the desert to Vegas to cover it. And your source, who you were communicating with, asked you to pray for Lamar. And that's kind of the moment where you realized you had forgotten how to pray. And so I'm wondering, was there something about you kind of like knowing Lamar but not knowing him that made it an extra tense circumstance for you? Or do you think it would have been the same if someone, you know, someone's like, hey, my cousin Tony just had a heart attack. Pray for him. Or do you feel like what made Lamar a very special? Like why was that the turning point for this journey? You know, I went there to cover it, of course. I mean, he had been to the brothel and he was doing drugs mm. and he gets into this coma and they rush him to the hospital. He's in the coma. And at the point that when I got there, the Kardashian family and his family was at his bedside and it was pretty grim. It was essentially, they don't know when or if he's going to wake up and when he does what his life is going to look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty grim situation. And... um Obviously, it's a big story. I'd met Lamar um, many times. I didn't know him very well. I'd seen him out socially, did some professional stuff, interviews, things like that. Seemed like a really nice guy. Seemed like the biggest harm he was inflicting in the world was on himself, mm-hmm, really. Right. It was very self-destructive. And I know the family, and they were all there, and I was in touch with them. And I was getting the update, and, and I, I was just—at this point, this was on text, because, of course, no one wants to talk anymore. Right. Yeah. We are talking. Right. Yeah. Like, because it would be awkward if you interviewed me over text, right? It would be, like, <laughs> yes. less interesting. I... We would just put up the transcript online and say, here's a transcript. That right. would be a nightmare, um, I think, but anyway. if we did that. <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> that would be interesting, though, a text cast— a text cast. Oh, God. I think that's just called Someone's a book. Someone's got to create I think, that. Yeah, that's, that's a book, like a, Is that a really like good a blog, idea or just maybe? something you— yeah. I think you just invented the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> is that called a Q&A? Is I that a Q&A? So. I mean, we believe— I guess that's doing that 20 years ago. Scratch that. I yeah, mean, but really. we, we, we re-spin it, we remarket it, and then here we go. Right, that's how it goes. Breaking news again. Right, right. It's <laughs> all branding. Form. You know, lipstick, lipstick on a pig. I mean, it's, it's right. true. Yep. Um, <laughs> so at this point, there was a hashtag that was trending, pray for the uh-huh. I'm there covering it. I'm in the hotel room. And I was like, is there anything else I can do? And this family member says, just pray for Lamar. I was like, okay. I was thinking I'd bring over sandwiches, <laughs> whatever. And it really hit me. I was like, I cannot remember the last time I prayed. Probably was when my daughter went in to get her appendix taken. Mm. Out. God, please. Like, you know, in that time in need, like all of a sudden you're religious. Right, right. Um, but there wasn't any practice. There wasn't any meditation or prayer. I wasn't reflective to that point. I was very productive. I'd just written like four books in five years, like working at E! News wow. and doing all this stuff. But it was like zero reflection and like really definitely no sort of theistic structure to how I looked at the world or my existence or anything like that. And uh, I was like, oh my God, that is so like sad to me. Like I used to pray all the time and I was like, all right, well, all right, I'll do it. (laughs) So I like sit down on the couch and I say a little prayer for Lamar and I tell the story in the book and I end the prayer with a like, amen, you know, (laughs) that's what I was taught to do. Um, 
And uh, so totally unscripted. I had no teleprompter. It was pretty <laughs> right. good. You were actually alone in a hotel. Totally improvising. Great. <laughs> All those and, classes uh, at uh, yeah. I.O. really paid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was good. It was a good prayer. I mean, I would give it like a 7.2. That's pretty good. I have prayed in 20 years. For like, no, that's yeah. pretty good for like rusty, a rusty prayer. 7.2, I like it. It was a, it was a rusty prayer. Sounds and gross. so I open my eyes because, of course, you have to close your eyes when you pray. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, all right, well, I did it. Um, but does God really care? I mean, come on. Like, this guy who was on a reality show, he played in the NBA. He's just been partying and hanging out with hookers and strippers. And, like, is he seriously going to listen to or he or she or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, the force, the universe, like, do does they— does whatever the cosmic force that is God or whatever you want to call it care? And are they listening? Or am I just sitting here talking to myself? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But two days later, he woke up. And I keep thinking about it. I'm like, okay, was this an example of the power of prayer? Or was this just an example of really good medicine and or really good luck? And the truth is, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me to just pick an answer would be total bullshit. Well, also, regardless of the answer, like putting good energy out there is never going to hurt. Yeah. You'd think, but I don't know. <laughs> um, what do I know? What do I believe? Right. I have no idea what I believe. And I really resented, not resented, but I envied people who do believe in that stuff. I'm like, God, they seem to be really committed to it. I want to be committed to something. It doesn't have to be prayer, but I want to like believe in not believing. Right, right. So, you know, like, or believing or something. I just felt so wishy-washy and lost and I wanted an answer. I wanted answers. And that's what began. I started asking the questions and that's what started the whole Ken Commandments book project. So what faiths or spiritual practices did you get into or look into rather? Well, I tried a lot of things because I had to be open. And that included doing things that I had written off long ago. So I had really bad experiences with evangelical Christian circles. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my 20s, my oldest brother had a a church and I'd go and I'd been around that world a little bit. I always felt so much pressure and it seemed so staged and all the dancing and singing and, you know, praise Jesus and Jesus is the Lord. He's the only way. I'm like, oh, this is a little much. I mean, this kind of like really is like cramping my intellectual style here. Like, how can I just believe in this? Uh, And then like, if anyone wants to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, you come forward now, raise your hands in the air. I'm like, okay, enough of the theater. Like, I'm so cynical. But I'm like, I got to do this. There was a Bible study every Wednesday night. It still happens. It's run by a guy named Pastor Judah Smith. Mm -hmm. And he started it actually with one of my E! News colleagues, Jason Kennedy, and it had gotten this celebrity following, um, not just celebrities when, I mean, it's just very much, pretty much anyone could go. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you saw Justin Bieber showing up, Selena Gomez, Gwen Stefani. um, I've definitely heard of it. Tons of celebrities. So I went and, you know, I really rediscovered that the Bible could be relevant to me again, uh, that 
even if I wasn't necessarily accepting it as the literal word of God, that there's some really teachable moments in the Bible. And it's great to have a pastor like Judah Smith who can relate it to your life in the now and in the present in a in a modern way. And I really appreciated that. So that was a huge eye-opener for me, I have to say. Going to that first Bible study, like, I was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, am, am I going to have to, like, like read a passage in front of people? Right. You know? I mean, you think all these dorky things, and it was nothing like that, and I really appreciated it. Is that somewhat related to Hillsong or no? O- only in the sense that it's uh, what I would call evangelical right. Christianity. Okay. And, um, and it's like young audience. Uh, like hip. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I would say it's uh, the same demo. Okay. okay. Put it in Hollywood terms. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of supreme. A lot of, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was for sure in my 40s the oldest and least cool person there. So um, I'm imagining you in like a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> carrying a skateboard. <laughs> um, but I tried a lot of things, guys. You know, I, I I sucked it up and I went to Scientology for a day and yeah. that freaked me out. You did. Um, that chapter in particular really stuck out to me. Someone uh, who read the book recently uh, said to me, like, Ken, I just read that chapter on Scientology. And I said, yeah. And he goes, and thank you. I just had nightmares. Like, I couldn't sleep all night. (laughs) (laughs) It was was pretty horrifying. I mean, you hear a lot about Scientology, and you hear, like, it's a cult, and how they're just, they sound like the worst, you know, group of people since... Nazi Germany, you know, like you really think like, oh my gosh, like this is just like these people would literally like destroy the world if they could. Um, So, but part of my project was, well, I need to experience things firsthand. And um, I went, I signed up for a class. It was called Managing Life's Ups and Downs, how you can use the tools and practices and beliefs of Scientology to, you know, deal with life's ups and downs. So I was like, that sounds great. I could totally Mm -hmm. use that. So I sign up. Um, sure. You can't yeah, do it. Hook on... me up to the e meter. Yeah, I'm ready to get go. Get me in there. <laughs> yeah. So, so I go there. I show up. I go to the headquarters. I sign in, and begins the process of them making me feel really uncomfortable because they informed me once I got there that I couldn't go upstairs to the classroom until I signed a contract, which they called a waiver. Which is so but when I read up. it. It was a legally binding agreement that I would not share publicly anything that I learned, anything that they told me. Uh, and that's really good for a journalist. That's like the last, right? Yeah, that's right. the last yeah. thing I'm going to sign. Uh, and that I would never sue them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't know what you're going to do to me. <laughs> I'm going to sign something like, I'll never right. sue you. And like, well, what if you do something to me? I might And sue this you. is all just for to take a class. I'm just trying to become a better person. You know, right. I mean, I'm not here to sign a deal. So I said, I was like, look, I will uh, take the contract and I'll do what I do with all contracts. I will give it to a lawyer. I'll have them look at it and maybe I'll come back. Mm-hmm. And the person, the representative there, she's sitting there and she's like, oh, no, sorry, you can't take it with you. I'm like, I'm out. Whoa. And I get up God, to walk away. Insane. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. But, 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 you know, here, there's a special video we could show you that usually you can't see until you sign it. But we, we, you know, we really want you to have this experience. So so they take me into a room, they sit me down, they turn on the TV. And I watch this video about Scientology. And 
the only way to describe it is that it was sort of like this apocalyptic scare video about how there's like all these evil people out in the world called antisocials and they want to destroy you. And even though they're a minority, they're responsible for all the war, disease, famine, and, you know, <laughs> unrest in the world, all, you know, the doctors included, psychiatrists. Uh, at one point, I remember they show a video, like in the video, they're describing all this. There's literally like, I don't know, like hurricanes and floods and like, you know, things ex like nuclear bombs exploding, mushroom clouds. And then they show a, a doctor um, like they're like science uh, claims to be responsible for advancing humanity. Then why do we have like the highest forms of obesity and depression and blah, blah, blah that we've ever had. And the scientist is in a white lab coat and he's stroking a monkey and the monkey like leaps away and runs down like a, a path in a jungle. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> the craziest thing I've heard in a long time. I'm like, time. I saw Tom Cruise. Oh, I saw Tom Cruise jumping on that couch with Oprah. But man, this monkey is way freakier than that. <laughs> I mean, the monkey knows to like get the hell the out of there. The monkey's like, this is a bad. What am I doing? I gotta go. I'm like, I'm with the, the monkey, monkey knew. man. The monkey um, knew. Yeah. So He's nevertheless, out. here's here's my my general take. And there's the whole chapter in the Ken Commandments on Scientology and. I'm not an expert in it. I mean, what Leah Remini's doing, I give her a lot of credit. I think it's very brave. It's very bold. Mm -hmm. I really, I, I think that I've talked to a lot of Scientolo Scientologists. There's a, a friend of mine in the book I mentioned who had been going to a lot of Scientology in the past and she broke away from it. She said she thought that the practice itself and the beliefs were like pretty good and useful for her. Like a lot of things about just, you know, staying positive and in clearing your mind. And, you know, what do we do? Like when we meditate or we do yoga, we're trying to clear our mind. Like, right. it seems like, yeah, that seems like a good mm -hmm. thing to do. Go clear. Right. That's good. Um, but right. she said right. that what happens is the people in charge and the, the rules they set up outside of it all is just so overbearing and scary. And so, and to say the least, I didn't have a good vibe of it, but the big takeaway for me was in this whole experience of doing the Ken Commandments is that I really got serious about learning meditation. And meditation has mm. changed my life. When I started this process, I mean, has it brought me closer to God? Mm, I don't know, maybe. If being still and really experiencing the moment and not being busied and distracted by the ephemera of like, you know, everything that's running across your mind in any given moment— if that's finding God, then, you know, and being still and feeling connected to things and people and the universe, then yeah, I guess I found God in Hollywood. So that's essentially comes from meditating now. And um, I was on antidepressants, anti-anxiety. I'm totally off all that stuff now. And um, I really have to tell you, meditation, I don't think I could have done it without meditation. And yeah, I'm describing a psychological ailment that I've treated with mm -hmm. meditation. So you might say, well, Ken, what's the spiritual part there? Like, well, I think that learning to turn off your mind, you know, Deepak Chopra, I spent a, a week at his uh, Chopra Center. You know, of course, he has this whole relationship with Oprah. And I mean, he unsuccessfully worked with Michael Jackson. Um, he's had tons of celebrities over the years come down there. You know, I learned this mantra-based meditation from him. And um, he has this philosophy that, you know, when you meditate, you create space, right, in between the thoughts. So it's like, um, I have to make sure I 
go fill my car up with gas. And then the next thought is, uh, am I fat today? And then the next thought is, oh my God, I hate that person. Or then the next thought is like, oh man, tonight I got to go do that thing after work and I don't really want to do it. So, right. We're just so busied with thoughts all the time. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for some sort of spiritual connection to a higher power, whatever you want to call it, are you really going to find it if you're just constantly busied with thoughts? So what he says is, you know, the more you steal right. your mind and turn off those thoughts and can be calm that that's what he calls like that God space, that space where it, where resides not just the ability to feel more connected and whole as a person, but that's where creativity exists. I don't know if you're like me, but like, if you looked at my computer desktop, you would be freaked out. Like how many windows I have open. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't think I've ever, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we both right. we I've never closed intimately familiar a web with page, that. like window. Like, I think there's like pages open from like 2014 on like Safari. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, right. when, if you think of like all the multitasking that I know I did and do, I still do to an extent, but I try to be more simplified, more minimalist, mm-hmm. bear, pair, pair things down now. But think of it as all the windows are open, right? Well, what happens? It stresses out your computer, right? It doesn't function as efficiently. It takes away yes. memory. It takes away space mm-hmm. on your hard drive. And so meditation to me is sort of like closing the windows, right? And if you can just close yeah. it and then maybe all that's on is the screen of that really cool universe image that you can get when you go on the Mac iOS, you can just like pick as your desktop. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I'm familiar with that That's my one, visual yep. and that's what I use. So anyway, so that's... That to me was a big takeaway. It was learning meditation. Of course, I tell people now, like, I think meditation is the Hollywood religion. I think that's, that is the thing right now. Really? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like they, they have, they, there's these little pop-up uh, meditation centers where you go. It's almost like, you know, like you're going to McDonald's. I mean, they're like all over the place <laughs> right. in Hollywood. Um, and celebrities are are, you know, really involved with it. And um, I really feel like it is the growing trend. I mean, yeah, the Bible study thing is is definitely a big deal here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Scientology is growing at all. Breaking news. Um, no, and, I don't think it is. Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do, I do see a lot of that. I do see, I do see a lot of that taking place right now. I think that how I feel about religion and spirituality is that we have all these different languages, French, English, Spanish, Russian, and they're just different ways that we've set up to communicate to each other. And I look at religion and most spiritual practices as just an effort to communicate to the same higher power, to connect to the same force of the universe, just through a different means, a different language. And as far as spirituality goes in religion, I just, to me, if it's about love, if it's about compassion, if it's about tolerance, if it's about leaving the world a better place mm-hmm. than it was when you came into it in every moment and trying to be mindful and present as with as much benevolence as you possibly can as a totally flawed human being, then I'm all for that religion. But if it's going to be used to divide, to subjugate, to judge, to be about hate, I don't want any part of it. And that's sort of where I fall on it. So if Joel Osteen's your guy, go for it. 
And I think that that's the great thing about our country is that you have the freedom to exercise that. Um, you know, and and the freedom to set up some great uh, tax shelters through religious <laughs> means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you know, for Leah, say, say Scientology, for example, with Leah Remini. Yeah. And again, I think she's doing great work and I really applaud her. It's very brave what she's doing. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, look, she was an adult. She went through it for years, like, you know, 20 years. Mm -hmm. She, millions of dollars, she claims that she spent on this. And those were her choices. Mm -hmm. Now she regrets them and yep. she, in hindsight, and we all make mistakes. And, we do. And that's fine. You know, there's reformed people of all types. And, and, but I think that for me, I went and wanted to experience things myself. So I had a more informed perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes in great. life, just knowing what you don't believe can be really helpful in figuring out what you do believe. Ken, I have one more question for you, and it's my most important one. <laughs> so buckle up. Uh -oh. Get ready. Okay. In 2010, my uh -huh. very first writing job was for E! Online covering the opening of the social network. And I'm just wondering how often around the studio, you guys talk about how great they were, um, you know. Oh, your articles. Yeah, your I'm just articles? wondering, like, what oh. what dressing room does it wallpaper? You know, how big of a legend <laughs> am I? <laughs> well, there was talk of renaming the network after you, like, with oh, a tagline. Right. Oh, my so God, I love I that. I don't know if that's still on the table, but, it yeah. It could just be, like, it, Maddie You do have firm point. legend status. Like, mother. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I, that's nice to hear That means you. a you lot. Know, in fact, you know what? In fact, it was going to be in the Ken Commandments. It was going to make it in my book that there is actually a religion being formed around those articles. That oh, you thank you. Yeah. The, gold, the, the, the golden calf, that is. <laughs> <laughs> my witty commentary on Jesse Eisenberg. Oh boy, what I wouldn't give. It was it was That's, great. Yeah. It really captured like humanity in its essence. <laughs> Thank you so much. That means a lot, especially from, you know, a published author. <laughs> And I just want to say thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. Yes, we really uh, appreciate it. And your book was such an interesting read, and it I was. recommend it to everybody. I do, too. Thank you. You guys are very nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're thank the first you. person to ever oh say my that. God. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Literally no one has ever said no. that to us before. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to DirtCast and thank you to Ken Baker. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp with editorial oversight by Kate Drees. Madana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. You want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And check out The Glee Project. And check out The Glee Project. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Levi made a thing. Oh, Ew. Of Justin Bieber with Is a beard. Is it disgusting? I see it now and I hate it. <laughs> Ew. I actually really don't like it. That's <laughs> disgusting, but thank you. How dare you, Levi? Um...